Have you restarted recording? Oh, that's because you're smart. Um. Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, life hacks... And today, Bike Films. That's right. We've got Drew Coleman here in the studio. Hi, Hi Drew. How's it going? <laughs> and Aileen Crotty. Hi, thanks for having me. So Drew is a filmmaker who um, is from around this area and has a film in Filmed by Bike for this year. Aileen is the festival director for Filmed by Bike. And frequent listeners may have heard those t- terms before. Uh, that is because, <laughs> full disclosure... You I better also, have been hearing <laughs> I also work for Film by Bike as the films coordinator, um, but in th- today's episode I'll be more in the role of your, your Sprocket uh, co-host with Aaron here. Excited to get into talking films, getting into the, the biking season, uh, especially as the weather starts to pick up here. Uh, but first, how was your week, Aaron? Oh, it's it's been pretty busy. Yeah? <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh... Well, so it's the spring break was last week for Portland Public, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm still wearing my employee badge here. <laughs> uh, and so it's like you know our first week back, and it's always just kind of a a mess. Um, some people still are getting. I mean, it's Thursday now. This is maybe a little bit too much inside baseball. It's Thursday now, so like everybody who it was out is back. But you know how vacations go. It takes a couple of days after the break for everybody to finally mm. come back. It's kind of finding yeah. rhythm again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How so was your is that? What's that? How oh, was your break? well, my break was great. I think I talked about it a little bit last week. Did I? A little bit. Because I just yeah, yeah I yeah. just got back from the airport. Um, spent it in Minneapolis biking around and totally fell in love with it. Just because the weather was nice. <laughs> I. I will not go there in the winter. Well, I do go there in the winter. I don't get a choice. But uh, I I won't be biking there in the winter, I don't think. Fair enough. Much. No, not um, bringing the Pugsley. Not yet. Okay. We'll see. You can work it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little hard to fly standby with a, with a Pugsley in tow. That's fair. Um, it's worth mentioning, though, the sound might be a little different today. Yes. Uh, we, unfortunately, don't have access to the Airstream. Stream PDX, our sponsor, uh, decided that it's time to run an event. And, unfortunately, <laughs> that... Uh, they just decided coincided. it's time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, well, we got the email. Um, and, and, yes, so you might notice a little bit of echo in the room. Uh, we were talking a bit of... Um, audio stuff earlier before we started recording, but if it's a bit echoey, that is because uh, we're recording in our living room, and that that is that. So uh, thank you for your understanding with the audio issues, uh, and we will be back to the recording studio for next week. Yes, and good luck to StreamPDX at the event. Yeah. What's name I forget now. Yes, yes. Yes, good luck. All the best. Um, it is a mobile studio, so part of me, like, even though... We don't have the studio now. I'm, I'm glad, like it's actually being mobile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's the nice thing about Airstream. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. So this week, I 
went to the screening of The Bikes of Wrath. Yes. And that was fantastic. Aileen was also so there. So good. It was so good. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, what, what did what did you think, Aileen? Oh, gosh. I loved it because, so we had shown, at Film My Bike, we had shown the trailer for The Bikes of Wrath back in 2017. The trailer itself was a movie. I mean, it held up, and that's why we showed it. So, fast forward, two years later, we get an email saying it's coming to Portland, and the filmmakers are going to be here from Australia. So it was a great experience to see it. It was at a major theater, a chain theater. The sound was excellent. The story was bigger than what we really saw in the trailer. It was funnier. But mostly it was a film that was really moving and beautiful about humanity going across country, meeting people in small towns. And the way the story was told was beautiful. The filmmaker comes from a comedy background, so he's used to editing the comedy. So it wasn't crazy, fast, punchy, or anything, but there were some funny moments, and they really hit well. Okay. So overall, the I was just astounded by the quality of the film. I knew it would be good, but I didn't realize how much I would just be hanging like with my eyes on the screen. I had to go to the bathroom, and I didn't want to leave because I didn't want to miss a minute of the film. Wow. And to me, that is a sign of a really good movie. Yes. And then, of course, meeting yeah. the filmmakers was quite a highlight as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Charlie, when he was in Portland for the screening during Film by Bike, uh, stayed with us, and we had the good fortune of hosting him again as him and Pam came through for the second time around. Uh, what was interesting was he was kind of uh, trying to figure out the next steps and seeing like where the film would go. So, yeah, getting that email was, was fantastic, and uh, I agree. It was really fun to just walk in. Uh, I was joking. I, well, not joking. I, I did wait two years to see that film, <laughs> and I was like, I, I will see it. So I um, was really pleased that they got in touch and were able to swing by, uh, and also was really impressed, too, because um, a lot of things that were happening during the time that that was filmed, it seemed like it might have dated itself just a tiny bit, but that was not the case whatsoever. Yeah, um, I, I, I feel like within you know that time frame, uh, what they were talking about and drawing parallels to struggle and strife during the Great Depression, um, you know, never more present than also reflecting some uh, trials of today. So, yeah. really, really mm-hmm. fantastic film. And um, the film is touring all over the U.S. So, for those listening, check out demand films and or the bikes of wrath online and find out where it's going next because it's going to 300 screens total yeah at wow. least for now probably more might get added to yeah definitely uh, always always excited to see what those folks are up to yeah. uh also this week i got to do a test ride of the guthrie oh. ride so I, I think i officially need to put it on the pedal yes. calendar because also in our news the pedal calendar is live uh, so if you have an event and you want other people to come join you for it, pedalshift.net uh, or shift2bikes.org to the number two, not T-W-O. Uh, but we'll have some more Pedalpalooza stuff as we get closer into the season there. Um, and this one was uh, sort of the Guthrie ride in like the very like closest sense that it started out as a ride that I took friends on who came to town. Uh, so my roommate was very eloquently pointing out the other day that he hadn't been on the ride yet with me. So ah. we went out at 10 p.m. Uh, Which is when it normally starts anyway. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> on, uh, I think it was like Monday or Tuesday there, and we rode um, 23 miles somewhere in the proximity of Portland and had a really good time of it. So <laughs> that that was my week in bikes <laughs> and uh, my week in general. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Um, do you need some bolt cutters? Some bolt cutters? No. no. I, I figured out... So, yeah, the, the park portion was actually open this time. Okay. Uh, and I, I have found, like, the successful reroute to that. Uh, we hit some uh, police officer interference, like, two years ago, but it was more <laughs> that they were kicking people out of the park who had bonfires on the beach, and uh, we weren't lighting bonfires. We were just trying to ride through a closed park with 40 people, or eh, maybe 30 people. Um, so yeah, no no police this time, but uh, survived unscathed. All right, all right. <laughs> and uh, we were both a little tired by the end, so it's it's. I don't ride 23 miles in like a hard go as often as I used to. Um, so more doing the commute thing these days, but looking forward to getting out and doing some weekend camping trips here soon. Yeah. Um, also, any listeners who are also pot or Petalpalooza leaders, get in touch with us. We want to feature your ride. We are also thinking of doing a Petalpalooza episode or a pre-Petalpalooza episode. So, you know, get in touch with us. We'll put you on the show. Yeah, help, help us help you uh, plug your ride. We'd love to see what you come up with. Uh, one topic that we were talking about after the screening was how many bike rides there still are that haven't been done in the context of Petalpalooza. So if you've got a zany Ooh. idea or an idea that has never occurred before, uh, if you don't see it on the calendar, that's a great reason to put it on yourself and to uh, make the ride that you want to see. I was joking, I think, with Sean Granton during our freeways ride a couple weeks ago uh, that we should do the uh, train tracks ride or the max tracks ride, and it basically is you, you line up with the tracks and you see who can make it the farthest. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Pro- probably more a tongue-in-cheek ride um, yeah. and maybe a, maybe a good support for our local wheel builders. But uh, hmm. I don't know. I, I haven't seen a tracks ride yet, so you never know. Uh, yeah, wear your elbow pads. <laughs> exactly. Or 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 like Aaron, show up on the Pugsley and just just grin as, yes. you, as you ride on down. Yes. Um, but yeah, we came here today to chat with Drew and Aileen. Um, Drew, tell us a little bit about yourself and sort of what got you into film. Uh, so I my day job is currently. Um, a, I'm a, an English uh, literature and film studies teacher at a high school in Milwaukee, Oregon, at awesome. Rex Putnam High School. And um, I've been doing that for 23 years. Um, you know, I was an art major in college, and I figured I had to do something with that, and I ended up teaching for a long time, and I still am. And, you know, 15 years ago, they, I, they approached me to teach this class um, at the time, it was called Art of the Film, and it just kind of triggered, reawoke this passion for visual art mm-hmm. that had laid dormant for a long time. I was always a photographer when I was a kid, and photo staff, and those kind of things. <clears throat> and and then, eventually, it became an, uh, an international baccalaureate course, and it's basically a college-level film studies class. It's a two-year program. Mm-hmm. And in order to inform that practice, I figured at one, at, I don't know, it must have been five, six years ago, I just thought I should maybe make something to f- inform this thing. And and, nice. and I found that like all these things that I did throughout my life from studying art and photography, telling, teaching storytelling and all these things kind of came together in filmmaking. And, and that's kind of where I find myself today. And it's like, and, you know, and it m- must speak to some people because, you know, I've got, you know, there's, it's fun. I'm working with some people and the things are, and it's getting to the point now where, I mean, projects are coming, we can talk about, but it's like, there's, 
I have to kind of evaluate the teaching versus the film and photography side. It's mm. kind of starting to get like I'm really working two jobs more or less. One isn't paying very well yet, <laughs> but you, you know, work the one job to fund the job that you kind of kind of. Well, working. right now the other one is just kind of breaking <laughs> even, which is a good start. Oh right? yeah, like yeah, start. Yeah, being able to cover my travel covered and 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 I'm on the road constantly now, um, and it's. It's a good thing, but it's also very difficult with, you know, conceptualizing projects and, and post-processing projects. You know, I'm up really. I'm just, you know, just kind of. Yeah. I've, during the state of cyclocross experience, I kind of figured out how to. I figured out that workflow, mm-hmm. and then and it's not sustainable, but it it's maintainable. Okay. <laughs> it's doable for so the, for, yeah. for the moment. You're, yeah. you're burning the candle at both ends, but yeah. slowly at both ends. Slowly at both ends. Okay. And we do get some time. Like, you know, we get I you know, I have summers coming up where I can do a lot of make a lot of headway in certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kinda how I got into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of your work is bicycle focused. Was that yeah. just kind of a natural extension of that passion for you? Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Um, I think well Initially, yeah. I mean, I was a you know road racer and a cyclocross racer, and you know, and I got hurt a couple of years ago at at Hetmere, which is just I hate that race, but I do it every I did it every year, and I just ninth lap hamstring popped, and but I was really like I don't know I was at a point where my body hadn't really rested in ten years of hard riding, hmm. and my doctor's like, do you want me, do you want an excuse to stop? And I kind of was like, yes. Mm-hmm. He goes, well, you need to quit. Like your body's, you're going to start, you need to recover, you need to rebuild yourself. And and so in order to stay connected with the community, they're all my friends. I picked up my camera and started taking pictures and then, but really started vid- doing video again as an extension of sharpening my skills initially for mm-hmm. the course. And the videos were they loved people loved them, so I just kept doing them, kept doing them right. And I ended up finding that I, I liked capturing that more than I liked racing it. Mm. Um, but there's there's inherently something about bicycling that that appeals to me. I think there's a lot of life that goes on through the course of a bike ride, and particularly when you're competing. Um, I I the, there's this inherent drama and theater. I mean, it has story arc. It's an, it's an inherent story right into itself. Mm-hmm. It was also like a very accessible way to cut my teeth as a photographer and a videographer mm-hmm. and, you know, with very little pressure, you know, and then, I mean, it's so easy today to do that, you know, with YouTube and, you know, mirror, you know, this, the DSLR revolution, I mean, their phones, I mean, you can do anything now for nothing you know, with no cost to anybody. There's no reason why anybody can't make a film. And <clears throat> that's, you know, and yeah, it was my passion. I knew it really well. I knew mm-hmm. the people. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Now it's starting to not, it's still in that realm, but it's starting to expand out of like, you know, shooting Cross Crusades. Now it's becoming a little more West Coast national kind of, okay. those kind of things. When, so, when you first started, um, did you have projects or like what was that step between just sort of getting footage and then turning it into something did did the content that you shoot sort of naturally form into the projects themselves because I know that for State of Cyclocross that was pretty intentional with how that all came together and um, how, how did that transition occur sort of in that in that mid between <clears throat> that's a good question um, 
I think initially I just I was experimenting a ton. If you look at my, my I have a YouTube channel that nobody subscribes to. It's like, I, which is feel free to plug it. No, <laughs> subscribe. Yeah. And I, I, I thought I was yeah I'm a YouTuber, and I realized nah that's too much effort, you know. And I it's not that it's too much effort, really? but I, yeah, I want to do long form. I want oh, to, okay. yeah. you know, I like photography and then long form storytelling. I it's the the YouTube. I don't have the life infrastructure to produce content like that mm-hmm. in order to you gotta say a lot and just to well view, you do and you have yeah. there's a there's a cycle of yes and you have to upload there's a cycle that you have to feed constantly yeah. and I'm okay. like nope this makes sense yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I tried it for a bit but it, it just became kind of a laboratory where I was just like hey I'm gonna try this I'm gonna do that I'm gonna play with shutter angles or I'm gonna you know I wanna do slow like a, I think the first really good one I ever made is I went to the Franz Crit couple years ago which they don't run anymore and I I did the whole thing in like super high frame rate and cut it to a Miles Davis song <laughs> like nice. I want yeah nice. I want to go like <laughs> opposite of what you'd expect from like a right, right. rock and speed and I was just <laughs> like no let's let's go the other direction yeah. and people really liked so you, like you slowed down the everything film? yeah I was shooting oh. like 960 frames a second you know 400, just you've, got, you've got another subscriber on yeah, right now like so. super slow but the camera I was doing it on like again it's like you learn like I look back on it and the capture was just, just <laughs> the concept was great now I could go back I should go back and redo it with the proper gear but um, but I borrowed elements from that still I still use some of the principles that I learned on that piece to kind of help inform what I like to do which is kind of like I mean I think art is about looking the other direction you know it's like looking if everybody's looking there you should be looking over here yeah right and I think it's our responsibility to do that so that because to show people that there's something else over here that's probably as or more important than something else and that's kind of like an extension of that let's let's why do it in high speed let's do it the other let's do it completely Mm -hmm. slow and to you know um, Miles Davis song, mm-hmm. and I I kind of repeated it. I guess I did a I did a, a Criterion. Actually, it was the same concept for Molly, and but I did to a Burt Baccarat song, instead. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was great. Everybody loved it. Yeah. And so it's like, uh, so how do I make that move into? Um, I guess people just liked what I was doing, and then it, it kind of kicked into. It was really Molly Cameron who's the one that that kind of moved me off of. She sat down and I was like, what do you want to do with this? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. And I was really asking me that question. And it came down to like access to opportunity, travel, make a little money. And he was like, sounds like my life. And so she took me on the road almost all, all, I mean, all spring, traveled with her team, went to nationals in Knoxville. I got tons of access. Like I'm in the follow cars, you know, right behind Beth Ann Orton International oh, Championship nice. time oh, yeah. trial made, and made a film for that. And it's like I was doing this content with Molly and it was, it was incredible. Um, and just real quick, who does Molly ride with? She, it was the, yeah, Point S Nokian, okay. both rides for and cyclocross, but then has a woman's professional um, team that she supports. Okay. Um, that, cool. yeah, and it's a kind of a, it's not like a world tour team, but they, you know, basically a, a domestic pro women's team. <clears throat> and, and that was amazing. So I got, and then that kind of started to, and then she was the, it was Molly again as an, Actually, this was before the the point S stuff was. After we sat down, she was the one that I was like, I didn't know anybody. Like I was just this schmuck from Portland with a Super 8 camera, 
you know, at, when I went to, seriously when I went to Nationals, I kind of me and we, me and uh, Michael, who was the guy taking this medium format photos in the yeah. film, we kind of had this idea. We had this philosophical idea, but beyond that, we were just two hucksters. Like, ah, yeah, <laughs> this is what I wanted. And Molly was like, "That's kind of cool," you know, and like, you know, and so she set us up with or me and, and with all of the trackside inter- the initial all the first interviews. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't have gotten anybody mm. right to sit down and, and outside of some of the Oregon people even them I even then I, I didn't know Laura Winbury at all I didn't know <clears throat> Beth Ann I mean it was like it was strange those are some of my best friends now it's weird like you're talking about um, you know the Australians and that set now they're like yeah. meeting all these people and that was like one of the craziest parts of that whole process it was like these are like some of my best friends now and um, yeah but Molly was the one that kind of bridged me from that space to like I guess where we are now mm-hmm. um, kind of grease the wheels for that and because um, she's just the you know she's a cyclocross nerd at the heart at the core of it um, takes it super serious but it's just a super fan and the, the rough the raw because I recorded those on digital the interviews between her and the subjects are just she should do it as a job like we've talked about doing a a recurring track like race when when she's all said and done it's something that she should do is like get a sponsored show like a podcast type she cracks people open so fast yeah. really oh, wow. brilliant at it uh, in that world and and so that was kind of the problem with that that we were behind the Cannondale group and they had a power washer going the whole time so the audio was set oh, up. No. it was set oh, up. yeah and of course I had the shotgun mic pointed right at you know <laughs> I had laughs so yeah. that saved it you know but you know, I should have had it reversed, as you guys audio. But in, but then, but it was in those interviews where I figured out what the film should be. Yeah. And so then I had to go back and do all these pickups, and that was like, um, that was the next. That was this couple month process is getting to interview all these new people with better equipment, and then knowing directed what you want to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But initially, it was just myself and Michael um, with this concept about the lack of intentionality in photography mm-hmm. and that's what kind of started this whole thing mm-hmm. um, yeah but, nice. yeah because yeah. I don't know you guys shoot with film at all not really not much yeah <laughs> you, yeah I was going to yeah. say Aileen don't you photography <laughs> film yeah it's 35mm yeah or and I used to shoot 120 yeah I love it expensive but it's worth it yeah there's a great hashtag stay broke shoot film <laughs> yeah yeah what do you love about it? what do you like about it um well I um I like well I, I just I just saw a post from my photography instructor from high school ah. and he put out an image and he's like this is an image I just printed it from a negative that I made in the 70s Right. You know, and there's something beautiful about that, the yep. timelessness of mm-hmm. that. Uh, I remember the dark rooms. Um, but also that now what I like about it is that digital is so throwaway. Yep. I feel burdened by my online and, and computer-based content. Yep. How do I organize yep. it? Am I ever going to access it again? Yep. Do I have room okay. for it all? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I like that when I shoot film, I'm thinking about the cost. I'm a cheap-ass, so I'm thinking about the cost, and I'm... I'm being more cautious, and I like that. I like also the, the free-form digital try-everything, but I also love those moments where you have to really be more careful. 
and thoughtful. Yep. There's something really lovely about that. Yeah. I mean, that underpins it. That's our whole thing. It's like, and for us, it was, um, like I said, it was this, it was the best work I've ever done on a single day. And it was a long day. Um, but I had to plan. You had to think through every shot. Mm-hmm. Your sight lines, everything. You couldn't experiment. You have to lay it out in your you head do. before you set your focus. Set your focus. You know, know it, everything. Camera has to be set up. Um, and and in the end, I don't even know if I got. I don't even know if it worked. Mm-hmm. Like I shot one test cassette before I went all in. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got the camera oh. to test that it worked, and I did this like this Christmas thing and it was terrible the, the image was terrible like I didn't know the camera so I was doing YouTube's amazing for many things one of them is like I basically in theory knew exactly what I was doing oh yeah mm-hmm. you get the instructional videos yeah but, like, I, so okay, in, so but it was I all theoretical yeah. 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 and yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know if it worked until I got the the reels back okay and it was like oh my god this is amazing it worked and it nice. was gorgeous and it was beautiful and it was like I don't know how it it, it should have it, it every there's so many spots where it could have just gone sideways mm-hmm. you know I had no second camera you know it was it was so dumb in hindsight <laughs> and um, but the but the point was that like because Michael shoots it, he's so incredible he shoots fast paced sports on a you know a 74 year old Rolly Flex like a 4x5 mm-hmm. yeah nice exactly cool. just looking down and uh, not digital nope nope he just sits there and it's, it's the oddest thing like and then his um, his Good friend Andrew, they do also like they'll have the woods and they'll have the. Oh wow! They'll do. They'll be under the hood. Yeah, and everything. Under the hood. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. It's so great to hear that people are still doing that. I just yeah. assumed that everything went digital in that. A lot of it does, but again, there's this there's this idea of I think there's intention, and that was the whole thing that underscored this, like what you were talking about. Like it's going to cost you money. I was at Squid Bikes in Sacramento doing the screening, mm. and I pointed out that at the time the, the numbers that was like the second screen I was like yeah this cost me like a dollar thirty a second to put this film and Anthony Clark who's one of their racers goes if he goes oh shit I'd be dead broke <laughs> yeah. if, I go imagine if everything that you every image that you took on mm-hmm. yeah. your phone cost you money right um, and you would evaluate you know do you want to take a picture of that Cat of every meal. Yeah, of every meal. <laughs> exactly. It costs more than the meal. Yeah, and I think you pointed out something that was important about um, the volume. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the most photographed era in human history, mm-hmm. but the least um, consumed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, high, high noise, low resolution. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, um, and I, and this struck me recently. My we removed my father out of his house into a. Uh, a retirement community and so we we're my brother and I were going through his the house and boxes of pictures of, of oh, prints man. yeah and it got me thinking like what are what are my kids going to sort through the hard drives yeah are they going to sort through the cloud you know no and there's no hard evidence of their childhood it's yeah. just digital and that's mm-hmm. a little unnerving to me yeah. and um, and so you know that is a part of, that's why we created like we won't we don't upload we won't show it on uh, online mm-hmm. this film we can't find it online yeah tell us uh, so and the intention so, behind that I think it's brilliant yeah so and as extension of that is like um, well we did a book like in the, as a part of like the, the print side but we did a, a photo book and the, there's a DVD and we only sold 70 of them that's how many people I mean that's so that's it like there's only 70 can be made 
I have, a, I have a few extra, but it's like, but technically there's 100 made, but we sold 70. So I have like yeah. 30 that are floating out there. Um, but, and so that's the only way to, to see it now is it'll only live on those DVDs, which is part of the gag, right? Who has a DVD player anymore? Like Apple's phasing out DVD players. Yeah. We actually entertain putting on a VHS tape. <laughs> to really make you earn it, right? Right, right. No, that's, that's a good point. Um, but the point was, the philosophy behind that whole idea is the second side is how we consume media. Mm-hmm. Is It's not so much, it's not even the souvenir, because we lack souvenirs today, like, which is kind of what those prints are. But the, the other idea is how we experience media, which is it's um, customized, it's it's for ourselves, you know, it's like, it's, I get to use my phone or I can get to watch it on whatever I want, how I want, and when I want. I can put it on the watch later list, which we never go back to, um, let's be honest. Or, yeah. or we watch two minutes of it and we, we walk away from it, we come back to it maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we on, but then you've got like something else going on. Yeah, yeah. Or something else interrupts yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And we're never fully present. And I think that's we decided that we want people fully. We you had to turn off your cell phones. Yeah, um, you had to be fully present because if you missed it, you're never going to see it again unless you went to another screening. And right. and. To, and that's how you know we used to have to watch things when we were kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You had to keep going back to theater. I had to go back to theater. And then when VHS came out, it was like, oh my gosh, I can record it. But and even before then, you know, the idea of of a film coming back to the theater was even yeah was yeah even yeah right something oh, you thought it was dead and gone yeah 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 when the first Star Wars came back, you know, that yeah. was part to promote the second one coming out but still it no, came back and everyone was like oh my gosh these things come back yeah you know? <laughs> yeah and so yeah. yeah and that was the whole thing in fact that's what and we even avoided theaters theatrical releases because we wanted um, party at, we wanted community atmosphere like food drink it was short enough that you could stand through it if you wanted to mm-hmm. I mean, 23 minutes was a, it was the right length for that and then we would have a party afterwards and so it was that was the whole mm-hmm. you know so it's about Community being together and experience making have making it an experience as opposed to, you know, just this thing that I can do whatever I want with. It's like no, you got to see it on our terms. I think that's something that I feel like is happening. Maybe the term I'd use is digital fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a ironically on Twitter I saw the other day uh, there was a large outdoor organization that asked like, what are the top three things that you feel like are um, affecting your like happiness online. I think 76% of people voted for digital or like social scrolling or mm. something like that, where you're just kind of on that feed and you're just, you know, giving yeah. the next drip of whatever that content is. Yeah. Um, but the intentionality of taking the time to uh, make space in your day to go see this thing or be part of this experience. Yeah. Um, we have noticed for Film by Bike, there's, you know, it's historically a short film festival, but there are some longer films in it this year, State of Cyclocross included, Uh, but people have been wanting more to go in and to put the device down and to escape from that world because it's just so much, I I think it's so much more, like, relaxing to just be present in that that moment and to say, yeah, I'm going to put my digital life on hold, I'm not going to worry about, like, if I missed an update on, on social media or something. Uh, yeah. and, you know, it might be for an hour, an hour and a half, but that craving, it's almost that, you know, this wonder that digital technology is, we're finally seeing 
maybe the the start of that wheel beginning to turn in a in, mm-hmm. in a different direction. Um, and I, I don't know if this has been something that you've experienced as well, Aileen. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting that I love that the theater is still a space where etiquette says you yes. should not be on your phone. It is perfectly acceptable to be on your phone when you are at a table enjoying dinner with a friend. <laughs> I don't think it's acceptable. Many people do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And in countless other places, but it's like but church. If, if I don't have funeral, my phone at dinner, how am I going to take a picture of my dinner? Of your beautiful meal to put on Instagram. <laughs> yes. But the theater is one space yeah. where it is pretty, it's universally accepted, yeah. at least in the U.S., that point. it's pretty tacky to be on your phone. In fact, some theaters will kick you out if you're on your phone. I love that. So it's like our, it's our escape from our digital world, which is just constantly, for many of us, just constantly tugging at us. Even if you try and be a social media light person, it's, it's there. It's there everywhere. So I love theater spaces and the opportunity for people to come together in a realm where they're not documenting it and they're just enjoying it and experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a message that people really like it hit them in between the eyes like they hadn't really considered some of these ideas they hadn't thought about the lack of you know souvenirs and intentionality and and presence and just i think that if there's if there's a a theme that underscores and the film itself like explores something that's on the surface level is not that wouldn't be kind of cool to do that but it's intention is the whole i think is the is the the point of that film Mm -hmm. be present yeah i love that yeah, and so I will never. We've we're right now as of now we're have no intentions of ever put on the internet, and so that's like the East Coast is pissed because they didn't get a chance because I <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> they oh, were because well. tour, the tour was only and we had talks with a lot of people. And I'm like, yeah, fly me out there. Like, nah. but it was we had talks. I just so they could still do it. They just gotta just, fly you out there, dude. I was doing some crazy fly. I I joked. I don't know if you know Brenna Ray Simpson. And, She's a racer and a mechanic, so it's at solid. And she's she said uh, we were was laughing. Was she working uh, class cyclocross last year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she was. Um, she was one of the two riders in that. Okay. Um, we were joking about that lifestyle because she experienced. She's like on the road constantly, and I and I said basically it wasn't a. A, a trip, road trip for me. If I didn't sleep in my car or take a red eye, mm. like I had some, I had some yeah. turnarounds this past year hustling the film and um, I liked it yeah the hustle's fun sometimes. it is fun I'd never really done that before and I was kind of worried about it but then once you you know it's okay to ask and like it's, it was fun mm-hmm. and I wanted to get to the east but that was like I couldn't like the, the flight times I just couldn't like with my job I just couldn't do it yeah um, so I don't know there there's some people asking about hey you can do an east coast tour and that might that could be a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, in an eight-hour flight though, for something that may or may not happen, that's a lot to ask. It is, it is, and I can't foot that bill. And no. That's right. that's the thing, and so it, you'd have to like package it with, or I need like some like a somebody to, a distributor somebody that can help do that. But the part of it, part of the experience was because it was a short film. Like I mandated, like we did one remote screening, and just as experiments and it went okay I, I, a guy kind of filmed for there were some people that were kind of really paying attention and it was like that part of the experience I think was delivering the talk I would mm-hmm. do a talk at the beginning yeah. and deliver kind of what we just talked about and then we Q&A at the end and that was really fun um, but and they, it went all over the place mm-hmm. like, so mm-hmm. for getting um, back to film what, what film camera were you using 
I used a, yeah, I used a Canon 814 XLS. Okay. It, it was a sound, it was the last production, it was 1983, it was the last year Canon made a Super 8 film. It had the ability to record sound, but they don't make sound um, Super 8 film anymore. Gotcha. So they basically take 35 millimeter film and they subcut it now mm-hmm. and perforate it. So have you heard about this? I uh, I don't really know what I'm talking about because I just heard a clip on NPR about it and wasn't fully paying attention, but there is a beer that came out that can develop Super 8 film. What? Does it have something like to do with like... The it's the just film right. in the it has to do with what... Okay, I'm That gonna... might be the most important thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I wish I had more about it. Um, it's a brewery that discovered that if you put like a high amount of like B12 in the beer, it, like something happens Whoa. and you no can actually way. develop film with it. And I want to know more about this because it could revolutionize the ability for more people to shoot film because still buying it's going to be expensive but maybe now you could well that's the irony of Super 8 is it was super the point of it was it was ridiculously cheap yeah. oh yeah yeah, you know, and it's, I guess in the film world it still is but all my uncles oh, yeah. like have have the whole like, yeah, yeah. you know hand crank yeah, yeah, I remember those. No, this one was a pretty. Yeah. No, this camera was pretty amazing. Like it can do pretty much anything that you can do with a, you know, you can drink like in terms of time lapse. You can do slow motion. You can do. Yeah, it was incredible. That was my one, my one um, wish is that I had done more slow mo because um, I didn't realize how good it was going to be. Because every time you hit it, you, it doubles the frame rate. It's like this is, and you're like, oh, that's that's, that's money. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> Oh, that's five ten dollars. That's a ten dollars shot. <laughs> so, for your um, IB classes, mm-hmm. and kind of the thing for me is, my dad used to shoot film, and so when I got into it, he was really excited to kind of pass on a lot of that knowledge, uh, because, like you said, you you shoot and it either works or it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of those concepts, like uh, they're still there in the digital realm, uh, but shooting black and white on digital or just shooting film that I think that teaches you the basics um, unforgivingly but so well Uh, and that for me was something that I felt like really accelerated is the first time you go full manual or the first time that you really just force yourself to work on technique film is really great at enforcing that because it either works or it doesn't no you're you're 100% right like I think there's a, a the theme that you mentioned about the cost of it. Like you learn those lessons really quick when you get yeah. a stack of your prints back and three are in focus, and you just spent you know fifteen dollars, and you're like, oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're really bummed out. So you really after you force yourself to learn. I like the word is unforgiving. Whereas digital, it's like you can rip off a hundred pictures and just and you can instantly. And even if it isn't right. You can right, see it right, right away. You know, yeah, you can always edit or balance it out. And That's right. You can, yeah, you can you can see it right away, and it's and yeah. it's funny because I also I love digital cameras. I mean, I use them all the time. I'm not I'm not I, I have an old Minolta that I use for stills because I like that practice. Um, and the Super 8, which I've only used that one time um, so far. I've got another thing coming up that I might experiment with it, but it's the the digital camera gets so easy. Like I, the my, the autofocusing system on my my stills camera with the lenses, it's it's ridiculous. And so I'll often um, take uh, I have I'll take those uh, uh, legacy vintage you know Minolta lenses, then I adapt them to this the body. So force you to shoot manually. Yeah. And I love doing that. Like you have to really think through. Okay, you have to have a focus zone and then let mm-hmm. them ride through it. And you can it's it's still cheating a little bit because you can burst photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're guaranteed something in focus if you've got it, but it's gotcha. it's still, yeah. you know, 
like I did one of the, I did a cross crusade the Rainier uh, race this year, and I think I shot maybe four hundred fifty, maybe four hundred fifty stills. Normally at a race, I'd be like fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was great to like. Yeah, hey, I only have four hundred fifty. I was going to say, and they were so much better, too. That was the thing. Because, again, comes back to being intentional and present. Yeah. Well, and I, I think there's there's a bit of a trade-off between digital and, and, like, analog in that, you know, digital definitely democratized the playing field. Absolutely. And, you know, it got the, it got the technology in the hands of, of people who otherwise, you know, either couldn't afford or just wouldn't be motivated to do so. Um, Absolutely, and I I would say that that's maybe a pretty good like starting point, but again, like it just added also so much more noise to an already I don't know easily overwhelming medium. I think yeah. you know, but yeah, was, like you said, the principles and, are the same though. Like yeah, um, but yeah, it's you have to it's you learn the lessons much more concretely mm. on analog mm-hmm. I think when you're shooting on film mm-hmm. like you yeah. really do like there's nothing worse than getting that there's nothing better than I also like the idea of when you it's that delayed gratification part of it like when you yeah it's you know you pass it off and then you get it in a week and then you like you know flip through and what was also fun about some of those like the discovery of stills on a film camera like I might finally develop a film role and it might span eight months mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and, oh yeah and you're like yeah. oh my gosh I completely forgot about that you know and then there it is and it's this tangible moment where it's like you know I have to, if I go back to my Instagram account it's still it's like way down at the bottom I mean it was it had a shelf life of about you know what nine frames right and, yeah. mm-hmm. and then the images vanish yeah, which is both it's interesting and it's disconcerting because I love an Instagrammer to the to the core. <laughs> I love it. it. Is, it's a yeah. fun. It's a fun but platform. It is, and yeah. you put you put there's, it out there and you connect. Like but yeah. you know, there's this burst, there's this bubble, and then it just kind of like. Uh, and you then get the like, high when you get the. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, gosh, now I got now what do I have to post? It's like um, it's funny because um, like as we make the transition to more mobile devices, like. I don't know if it's just me being a curmudgeon or not, but I, I was really happy with Flickr, and there's just such a community that was built around that, and I think I just honestly missed the boat with Instagram. Right. Uh, but in the, in the same way, like, on Flickr, you could go through, and there would be communities around yeah. that stuff, uh, and I feel like that's where a lot of the photographic community existed back in, I don't know, 2008 or something like yeah. that. Um, but with Instagram, it's nice in the way that you can connect, and so... You know, shooting for oneself or shooting for other people, I think like you were talking about earlier, Drew, just in regards to the motivation, is if the motivation is coming from within, like, it doesn't really matter what platform you're on, if you're shooting digital, if you're shooting manual, like, I think at the end of the day, it should be done for oneself. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you always, and, and that's why, like, sometimes with commercial work, I'm a little ambivalent about it, because it pays well, but you're kind of doing it for somebody else to some degree and they get a lot of they have a lot of influence over what you're doing and and versus like that what you're saying is like you know it's always should be for yourself first like when you're crafting an image and i think that's i think that's a for me that's a guide and and if i'm getting hired to like to shoot 
racers or a team at a specific event, you know, there's a reason why, and, I, and this is part of I always tell myself this, there's a reason why they want you to do this. Yeah. Because they like your stuff. They think you're good. Do what you do. Don't feel like there's no pressure really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, you can do cookie cutter work, but you could still do commercial work where there's a little of your personality or a lot of your personality in there. And there are some photographers and some filmmakers that do that really well. And it's almost like their little signature within it. Sure. You know, you notice it. and. The, and it still fills all the needs for the commercial aspect mm-hmm. and it makes the client happy, but you still get to have some of your personality in there. And that's some of the most interesting work. I yeah, think. I think learning those boxes that you have to check mm-hmm. within that architecture is yeah. the key, you know, mm-hmm. and how you insert that in your style. Yeah. Um, once you once you understand what that is. Yeah. Like, and that's a whole... It's not an easy balance either. Yeah. <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's fun. Uh, I've shot a lot of weddings and like I agree a lot about like, yeah, oh. it's like showing up and uh, you know, like they're hiring you because they want it to be your photographs and then on the other foot I'm like, oh, you you better not miss the shot. So there's there's gonna be the stress level to that. I don't know if it's I haven't done a wedding yet. Oh gosh. but I know that if I make the move, if I make the break from teaching into photo and film full time I was like I know I have to do that to help oh, pay the bills see, and I'm like yeah, terrified I, <laughs> I have a friend who does it he's, he's just incredibly does really well at it and so I'm gonna my, I want to shadow him and like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's his own little ballpark yeah. I don't want to do somebody's wedding like the first I've never done one mm-hmm. like duh yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure I have my rule yeah, of thumb is shoot weddings for people that you know and you know well <laughs> oh really oh yeah well that, that's why I have the day job <laughs> Yeah, he's but it pays like he I think makes enough during the wedding season to take I the rest of the year off. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of. This is pretty of, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Although wedding season <laughs> corresponds with Portland riding season. That's true. So that That's a good point. There's just not enough bike weddings. Yep. <laughs> there's not enough. Bike, yeah. bike wedding ride. So in a quick synopsis, State of Cyclocross, mm-hmm. uh, one or two sentence version, what, what, what is it about? What, what is its core? And what can people look forward to at Film by Bike for it this year? Um, so State of Cyclocross, like we talked a little bit about what, what's, what its origin story was. What it became was a, um, what we discovered was it was a piece that, it, it was a, it's an extension ostensibly of, of Werner's um, Pure Sweet Hell, which is, was kind of the first real American cyclocross film. I think it was 2001. Um, and not many people have seen it, but he, he basically was a, followed a, it was a year in cyclocross and he shot it on Super 8. Um, I think it was 2001. But he basically followed, you know, Barry Wicks and Ryan Schmidt, all these guys, and he had these core people, and he followed them all over the country, and uh, a lot of stuff in Portland, actually, because um, they had the USGP at the time. And so it, what was cool about it was, like, it was a series of, it was a t- snapshot from a time frame in this niche sport at the dawning of its, really, its popularity in the United States. Um, which is interesting because I'm being kind of contracted to do something similar in a different thing, but it's, it was, so that's what that was. And so I love that piece. And it's funny, not many people have seen it. And it's same same thing you can't find online. Mm. (laughs) Brian Verner, like to a T, it's like the DVDs are like 
their mythology. It's like unicorns. If you get one, like I have one, I think Laura Winbury has it, and I was supposed to get it back from her. Now it's like vanished. It's like it just it, it just yeah, they're they're uh, they're unicorns. Anyways, yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I kind of want to see the Psycho Cross to do that. So okay, right? yeah. Anyways. So I wanted to revisit that concept, but I had to go a different direction with it. Uh, but state of cyclocross basically finds itself, find, the sport finds itself um, kind of uh, at a, in, a, in an, something of an identity crisis. Because it wants to professionalize, it wants to become more, um, what am I trying to say? It wants to become more sustainable and in doing so, it kind of is moving away from its counterculture roots. Mm-hmm. And that may be okay. It kind of explores that. Like, where is it today in this given moment? What are its issues economically? Um, you know, what was it? It talks a little bit about it. gives you a little bit of background about what Cyclocross is and was. Uh, so it's a little bit of a history lesson. But it's more about where it might be headed and what it needs to, what ha- needs to happen in order for it to... to Become more economically viable, at least at the top level, because I know I'm talking to pros. I mean, it's very, it's very. We're talking like UCI type yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah, like the American pro cyclocross scene is. I mean, it's still, it's still very. You know, uh, um, I guess on the edges yeah. of it's a still an obscure discipline. Oh um, yeah, is there's something very punk rock about it as far as yeah. like in the in the cycle world, but it has become world. it has become more refined. It is, yeah. you know, the bikes are specific and the equipment, of, yeah. it's yeah. becoming a thing. And, um, and then, but anyways, I, you'll see basically, um, that's what the content explores and it's, it's, and it, it explores also, um, women's cyclocross. Um, there's a whole segment on that because they're the most dominant cyclocross athletes in, the, in our country are women. Um, and for, at least on the world level. Talks a little bit about why, um, and that's a big segment. And that kind of there's gonna be an offshoot I might explore in regards to that. But it's so there. That's the content piece, and then the, the segments. It's also just uh, an aesthetic meditation, film and photo meditation on the sport. So it's almost as much that as it is what the people are talking wow. about that in terms of the photography, because those are the interludes, um, and then between the you know, and I, like I said, it was just shot at one day in, at Reno. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what it is. Nice. So, <laughs> um, and and from the, the the source, I guess I should say for folks that have gotten not so great explanations of film by bike from me, what, what is film <laughs> by bike, and uh, and what can people expect to see if they if they join for May seventeenth through nineteenth of twenty nineteen? So, film by bike is a film festival that features the world's best bike movies. We've been around for seventeen years. We started with VHS tape, um, showing just a few bike movies to raise money for another event. We had crowds waiting outside the theater, buying tickets, knowing that they wouldn't physically be able to see the screen, but they knew that something was happening, and they were just excited to be in a space with other people who shared their passion for bikes. So that first year, realizing that success for this one-time event, I realized it, it shouldn't go away. It should be something that continues. So here we are in year 17, showing a collection of movies that come from all over the world, getting a chance to meet filmmakers from all over the world, like the Australians we talked about earlier from the Bikes of Wrath, 
I just like to call them the Australians. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's one of the most endlessly rewarding aspects of the festival is, is the people we're meeting throughout yeah. this whole process. Yeah, and Guthrie, sure. more than anyone, works directly with our filmmakers and has those conversations, which is so lovely. Um, we do theme up each of our programs at the festival, so we're really excited to have State of Cyclocross in our closing program this year, which is celebrating all of our regional filmmakers with an all-Oregon showcase nice. called Oregon wow. Vibes. There will be a lot of filmmakers, cast and crew in the audience. We'll be doing some filmmaker talks on stage, um, which we don't do much of anymore these days in the theater space. We cool. do it elsewhere. Um, so we're really excited for this show because when we first got started, uh, the vast majority of the films that we showed were local films. And as we've grown, and as our local filmmakers got a little like, tired of making films for us and moved on <laughs> to other projects, and then maybe came back to us. But as we've grown and broadened our global community of filmmakers, uh, we're seeing fewer local films in the festival. And this year was an exception to that, which was great because we were hoping to do more of a regional showcase. Awesome. So it's great to have this incredible collection. We're excited for local filmmakers to get to know each other better. We have a strong filmmaking community in general here in Portland um, and in, in Oregon and, and filmmakers are a really warm and open group that likes to connect and meet each other and I, that's an aspect I've really gotten to know more of over the last few years now that we've brought in to be more than just a bike event but we're more of a film event also now and getting to know the film community in our region has been really wonderful. It's a very very supportive community of people so add bikes to that mix and it's just sort of a dream come true. Yeah. So May 17th through the 19th at the Hollywood Theater, the best way to experience it all is to buy a festival pass because that'll include the filmmaker bike ride, filmmaker chat, uh, and all the auxiliary events that go with it, as well as six distinct programs at the theater. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Would you like to plug your YouTube channels and such. Where, where can people find you? I was oh going to say, like, where can people subscribe? find where can we watch your slow State motion? of Cyclocross online? Oh my oh, you can. <laughs> no, no, you can you can check out stateofcyclocross.com and like look at all the fun stuff that around that. You can't watch it, but it's, it's there. But there's like uh, do you to, have, come to Portland and watch it with us in May. That's yes. right. That's do you right. have a, a schedule of where you where this is going to be next? Uh, or a place to find said schedule at Film by Bike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's okay. it. That's, that's it. That's it. So exciting! It. We yes. gotta promote it that way. Yeah, it's, yeah. it was. Yeah, we we closed out the run at Worlds with the fundraiser for Clara Hansinger, who was racing Worlds, and cool. and that was the end of it. And then you reached out, and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, Film by Bike. And so it's like it might have a second life on you know some of the bike film festival circuit, but other than that, no, it's not. It's dead. It's it's gone. It's well, right, it's no no special it's edition. To age 10, like five years. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So these are. This is a moment. Like some yeah. people. Um, like I said, if they missed it, this is their. This is an opportunity to catch it again. <laughs> um, so, um, but that I don't know. The YouTube channel is kind of silly. It's local cycling network. And mm-hmm. I, uh, that's up there. You can kind of see some of the. I still kind of post some stuff. I did a con- totally going to be checking this out. I did a proof of concept right? film at uh, one of the con- uh, Cobra races recently. I shot it on. Oh, it. really? Yeah, I, I've done two of those, but I did. I'm doing. I did a all manual lenses, so I'm figuring out how to do that. So I shot like this really old like Minolta lens, and so I, I'm shooting a, a thing for down in Sacramento. I'll be back and forth in Sacramento like for the next two months doing a. It's it sounds crazy, but 
there there's this whole like there's a world championship for this thing called track lacrosse which is fixed gear cyclocross oh yeah. no <laughs> track lacrosse yeah like it's a whole thing yeah. so when we talk about how cyclocross itself is like becoming more fresh mm-hmm. and so in its wake mm-hmm. are these are things like cobra allycross yeah, track lacrosse is like mm-hmm. that's what's taking it's stepping up so I'm kind of intrigued by that and so yeah. I'll be doing that but um, yeah on the YouTube channel there's some of that stuff and it's kind of like you'll see a progression of things and um you know the instagram that is lcn underscore pdx and that's like a lot of photography that i that's all the photography i do and then um yeah i mean that's i don't yeah i'm not really that's kind of that yeah yeah and then thanks for coming on drew thanks yeah Yeah, thanks for having me this is awesome yeah appreciate it also, Aileen, I, we're going to read it in our in our calendar, so I'll, we'll cover the phone by phone portion. Okay. Um, thanks for coming on tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Bye, Aileen. Yeah. Thanks, you thanks bye. for coming. Always good to have you. See you on Monday. This uh, kombucha was really good. You liked it? Yeah. Nice. I um, it was because he, so he was saying like how it was different than Lionheart, and he's like, yeah, it tastes like tea, which is how kombucha should taste. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I've ever tasted so, kombucha that tasted like tea. The first, ever. the first sip, I was like, I was like taken aback mm-hmm. by this. Is gonna sound terrible as far as like a review of it, but it was like by the lack of flavor mm. to it. In that, tea. you know, yeah, yeah, that it, it wasn't like a berry or a ginger or whatever, and I love those, but it, this was so surprising yeah. to, to have. Nice. Oh, and Hood River. Yeah. All right. Totally. No, they just, they like just got them in this week. All right, guys, thanks. Sweet. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. I appreciate it. We'll see you in a few. Cheers. Red safe. Yeah, thanks. Emojis are confusing. Uh, yeah, I just don't bother. <laughs> I feel like I'm an old, like, I seriously feel like I'm that, like, I don't know. I'm twenty-nine-year-old, eighty-year-old man. He's like, I'm glad one, emojis. one <laughs> that you're that you're a bit of a uh, uh, luddite. Yeah. But that you don't call yourself a luddite like many non-luddites. Well, do. It's and like yeah, yeah, that you just own it. I'm a curmudgeon. Yeah. I I feel like I like am a intentional luddite. You know, because like I, I go to work and I program all day, right. so it's not like I don't know how to use computers. I'm just like I refuse to get on this train. Like it's it's leaving the station. Like mm-hmm. I never I've never had a Facebook. Like back when that shit was getting big, I was like, no, fuck that shit. Like sounds sounds like a bad deal to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, like yeah. there's certain things I just like refuse to compromise on, and emojis might be one of them. <laughs> but yeah. If, if Flickr came back in a big way, I would be on you Flickr. Would, you'd be all over it. Yeah. Oh, I was half tempted to try to get some audio of the cat while he was sleeping. <laughs> I could hear him. He's a snorer. Oh yeah, he yeah. snores like an old man. Like, <laughs> it's pretty he, funny. He snores louder than anybody else who sleeps in this house. <laughs> no joke. And that was like, that was a quiet snore for him sometimes. Oh really? Yeah, sometimes I'll, it's actually really loud. I'll be trying to sleep and it's like... Oh my god. <laughs> You're just like, wait, what? Is my dad here? No, that's the cat. It's the cat. Oh. <laughs> he might go back asleep. We'll see. Um, cool. You want to polish it off? Yep. All right. Um, thank you once again to Drew Coleman and Aileen Crotty for coming on tonight. And on to...
our calendar, but not before we talk about some wonderful beverages, courtesy of... The Beer Mongers on Southeast Division in 12th. I am having a raspberry sweet and tart draft mead from Author Mead Company here in Oregon. I'm trying to get the last drops of the uh, Ferment Brewing Company's Assam Kombucha, um, which is... A new company uh, that just arrived. Yeah. Just carrying at the beer mongers. Give us the and scoop. All, all love to Lionheart. You'll, you know, you'll always be my favorite. Um, this is really interesting. This is a uh, uh, ferment Assam kombucha. What flavor is it? It's kombucha flavor. Um, and I was first taken aback by that in in a very good way. Um, I'm not going to go so far as to read the blurb, but if you are just looking for a kombucha with, like, subtle flavor, this is your one. I'm I'm very, yeah. This is your... your, Pleasantly surprised by this. It's the the LaCroix of the kombucha world. Yeah, I would say it's a good, like, uh, palate cleanser in a way, you know, if... You've gotten used to those those powerful ginger and, and fruit and tartness. Um, this still has, like, all the tartness of the kombucha, but without, like, the sort of punch-in-your-face flavor that a lot of um, places have gone to. And, and that that's not a slight to you, Lionheart. Not at all. But, you know, the other kombucha companies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron. We'll All see right. how you feel in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'll stop digging my own grave now. I'm not to the calendar. <laughs> the second Thursday of every month is the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis. The second Friday of every month, the Boston Bike Party. Also the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party. Also, also the second Friday of every month, the East Bay Bike Party. Last Friday of every month, the Baltimore Bike Party. Every second Sunday of every month, here in Portland, the Corvidi Bike Club. Oh my gosh, I'm so off my game. Hey, it's <laughs> that new kombucha. What can you say? <laughs> every Saturday morning here in April is the pastry ride at Perennial Cycle in Minneapolis. Yes. Also, from April 1st to 30th in Minneapolis, they are celebrating their 30 days of biking. We are kind of doing the same thing here. I don't know if it's officially associated with 30 days of biking, but I've seen a lot of posts nice. on the Instagram about it. So, wonderful. All of you who are who are uh, participating in 30 days of biking, good job. Godspeed. I'm there with you so far, all four days of it. Nice. <laughs> and uh, hey, you know what? If you hit day 31 and you're having fun, why stop Keep there? Keep going, right? <laughs> April 1st through the 30th here in Portland is the Three Speed Adventure Challenge. Yes, we went over this last week, what it was. Um, also, if you go to the Urban Adventure League's website, uh, you can get more details on that. And April 30th is the Portland Lads 500. I need to put that on my calendar because I don't work that day for the first time in five years. Well, then looks like Sprocket Podcast has Back a team. Menu. Yes. All right. April 24th, the Sturmy Archer Hub Overhaul Workshop at Golden Pliers. 
And May 15th, the Santa Cruz Ride of Silence in memory of friends and loved ones killed by cars, drivers, while riding bikes. Meets in Abbott Square for a 6.30 p.m. departure. Greg encourages listeners to seek out a Ride of Silence event in your town. Thank you so much for sending us that ride, Greg. May 17th through 19th, we've talked about this film by bike right here in beautiful Portland, Oregon. And May 26th is the P-Town Throwdown 2019, which departs... Wait, departs from? Or meets at. Meets at Daddy's Board Shop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy there's a place called Daddy's Board Shop. Yes. (laughs) Also, some upcoming film by bike tour dates. We didn't really talk about, you know, uh, with Aileen while she was here. We didn't really talk about that. Film by bike going on the road, but That's yes, okay. a, we talk about it every week. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Victor, Idaho, May seventeenth; Champaign, Urbana, Illinois, May 29th; Crested Butte, Colorado, June twenty seventh; Dallas, Texas, June twenty ninth; Detroit, July twenty. Sorry, July twelfth; Missoula, Montana, September fifteenth; Bendigo, Australia, October fourth; and Akron, Ohio. Keep it real, Akron. November third. And Miles of Portraits team is still taking their tour to REI in the Southwest, riding their bikes 2,000 miles from L.A. to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and stopping along the way April 9th at Tucson, Arizona, May 4th, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and May 11th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we do have one headline news right coming up. Brock edited out this pause while I look it up. Can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike. Oh yeah, did you did you happen to read this? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I did. you did. Okay. You know, there's an Instagram feed for that. Oh really? Cute, cute kitties on bikes. Uh, it, it's a thing. Is it like? Oh, crap! I can't look it up. That's okay. And you know what we don't have for this week? We don't have. Wait, we don't have mail, do we? This oh. is true. It's oh my god! It's been a quiet week. It's been a quiet it's week. Rocket headquarters. Well, I've been busy doing other things. Our trailer ran off. We've been busy doing other things. (laughs) And apparently so have our listeners. And that's okay. Yeah. Every every now and then, it's okay not to have headlines. I would say a headline is, uh, most notably since our recording last week, there have been a couple of things coming down the pipe in regards to the No i5 PDX. I don't, oh, yes. I don't have any, any pulling specifically, but um, Metro yeah. has stepped in with a comment as well as a couple of state legislators. So if you did write a comment, thank you so much. And if you didn't, that is perfectly yeah. fine too. Um, but it sounds like there might be a rumble in the jungle beginning to brew as far as opposition towards... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. In, in my personal opinion, a pretty mindless project uh, going into Portland here. So um, I'm, I'm yes in my backyard almost all the days, <laughs> uh, but not in this case, so in this <laughs> I'll case, leave it at that. Well, in this case, it shouldn't be in anyone's backyard. Yeah, it's more like a let's not build more freeways in backyards or or anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but but what do I know? I just ride a bike all over. Yes, um, yeah, that is a, a wrap. That is all we got. Thank all right, you. everybody. Hey, thank you all for your support. If you feel like, um, you know, if you've been listening for a while and you feel like supporting us, we are on Patreon. Um, but again, no pressure. We are listener supported. 
but we will never pitch you a tote bag. This is true. You can go to other people who have tote bags that we do not. Uh, mainly, if you've lent us your ears at any point in time, thanks for listening. It's it's nice to uh, nice to be out there. So thanks. You ready for this? Let's do it. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio thanks to the generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurt Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Shadowfoot, Katharina Mellengard, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney. I look forward to our episode soon. Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss, Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's, who's a time, time traveler. traveler, Dave Knows, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Cooley, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, uh, <laughs> Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G. Guthrie G. Guthrie Straw, who is sitting right next to me on this comfortable couch. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regrainery. Campsite, Mac Nurse David, Nathan Fulton. Chris Rawson, Rory in Michigan, Michael Flournoy. Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman. Harry Hugel, E.J. Finneran, Brad Hipwell. Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom. Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Derek Wagner. Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore. Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Chris Barron. Sean Baird, Simon, Gregory Braithwaite, thanks for the ride. Oh yeah, Brian Morrow, Jimmy Diesel, Dude Luna, Matthew Rooks, <laughs> Marshall, Paula at Funitake Cyclecraft, Philip M, Spartandale, no relation, Mr. T, who never really left, Bike Initiative, Kiwana, Sarah G, and this week, Michael B, thank you for your generous donation, and to all of our former donors who've helped us get this far, now brush your teeth. And go to bed. <laughs> Did you forget it? I was like, oh, there's something that comes after this, isn't there? <laughs> Silly page fold. <laughs> <laughs>